This is Ingredient Insiders. I'm John Magazzino. And I'm Andrea Parkins. On each episode of Ingredient Insiders, we will be talking with chefs and authors about their favorite ingredients. We'll then be speaking to the producers of those ingredients to talk about the history, how they're made, and why chefs love using them. What are we talking about this week, Andrea? We're talking about fresh herbs, John. Herbs. I like herbs. I love herbs. Andrea, do you say herbs or herbs? Herbs. What do you say? I say herb, not herb. Do you cook with a lot of herbs? I do, and I think it's something that in the last 20 years-ish have become really popular. You're seeing not just, you know, kind of the staples like oregano and basil and thyme, but you're seeing hybrids, lemon basil, lemon thyme, different colors, purple basil. There's so much possibility with herbs to add, you know, a little bit goes a long way. I love them. Yeah, yeah. You know what I love when I'm eating a dish at a restaurant and there's an herb in there and it's used so perfectly that it's influencing the dish, but it takes me a while to be like, wait, what What is is that? What is that? I know this, Mm -hmm. but I can't place it. Does that ever happen to you? Of course. And you're like sitting there and you're trying like little bites and you're what is that? Right. I love that. But that like to me, that's the fun in the experience of eating. Fresh herbs have really just become popular in the last 20 years. And it's it's kind of hard to believe, but before this movement of, you know, I'd like to accredit it to some chefs that were maybe had a, of it, it, clearly European chefs that had influence also from Asia, but not just Europe, but where there's a lot of use of fresh herbs and uh, put into broths and put into lighter preparations. Before that, it was all dried herbs. Yeah. Like my grandma, it was like, if she was using parsley or oregano, it was coming out of the shaker. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can picture my my grandmother's cabinet, my mother's cabinet. I mean, how many containers are you picturing, John? They, I mean, yeah. 20, 30 different dried herb. And now at home, I don't. I think maybe I have, I mean, I have some, but not as many as I think it used to be. Yeah. So, so let's be clear. Dried spices, peppercorns. Crushed red pepper flake. Right. Absolutely. There's a oregano dried, fantastic. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to dried basil, I don't see the purpose. When it comes to dried thyme, Mm -hmm. rosemary, I'm not really a big user of those. I'm not either. I think if the only time I could even like think about it is if you're going to maybe in like a braise where it's yeah. going to be sitting and actually like reconstituting for a long period. I yeah. could see in a pinch, you know, if this is all I have, I would use it. But um, I try and use fresh whenever possible. Yeah, me too. We're talking with a friend. We're always talking to friends. Yeah. We're talking to the chef, Melissa Rodriguez, who just opened up a restaurant in New York City, super high end called Alcoro. Mm-hmm. And then she also opened next door, even before Alcoro just recently opened, she opened a place called Mel's Pizza. Delicious. Fantastic. We had a chance to go there and eat. She's going to be talking all about herbs because she there's so much herb influence in her cooking. We make a lot of like gremoladas. I use a lot of herb oils. I finish pizzas with a lot of herb oils. When we had a chance to go eat at her restaurant, I mean, it was clearly abundant that she just loves to, to use fresh herbs. So this is going to be a great episode with Melissa Rodriguez and our friends at KLP Herbs. These, they're importers in uh, 
Massachusetts, Kathy and John. Yep. They, they, they're, I think they get most of their stuff from South America where yeah, it's Columbia. ideal, ideal growing conditions. All the culinary herbs, everything from basil, chives, chervil, rosemary, oregano, tarragon, Love anything it. you find in the kitchen, we, we, uh, we try to supply for Sid Weiner. So we're going to have a great time talking about fresh herbs today. This episode is in partnership with The Chef's Warehouse and produced by Hey Now Media. We are here today at Mel's. The hottest restaurant in New York City right now. And we're very lucky to have Melissa Rodriguez. When did this restaurant open? Uh, About six weeks ago. How exciting. And I saw that you're also opening next door another yes. restaurant. A much bigger restaurant. And that's opening one in June? Uh, some, we're hoping for sometime in June, yeah. That's fantastic. So the chef is Melissa Rodriguez. I am so happy and honored and proud to be here. I've known Melissa for a very long time, although we haven't seen each other in a very long time. But Melissa, I first met, I think first met when you were working at Restaurant Danielle. Oceana. Many, Oceana. Yeah. Okay. See, even I don't, my memory is failing me in my old age, but uh, Melissa has been working in some of the finest restaurants in New York City. I'm going to go off the top of my head. I'm going to forget some. Absolutely Oceana, Restaurant Danielle, Del Posto for a very long time. And the space that you're moving into is the formerly the Del Posto space on 10th Avenue in New York City. What is that like? A little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what do you mean? Like like moving back into a space that I had yeah. once been what in? Yeah, what did it feel like when you kind so of like walked back home? in? Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it was kind of nice because you know the faults and weaknesses of the space and, you know, navigating that from a place that you understand how to work within that space, it was easy to kind of see the things that were important for us to to change or adjust um, in order for, you know, the restaurant to feel better, like a better functioning restaurant than it had been previously and like a new restaurant because that's what it is. So, And that restaurant will be Al Coro. Yeah. What does Al Coro mean in Italian? It means in choir, which mm-hmm. also like, you know, loosely does means in unison. So it's not only a musical reference, but also like a team reference. Nice. And that will be, can I use the word fine dining? Yeah. Italian? Yeah. Yeah. So here we are sitting in Mel's right next door, and this is pizza. Yeah. But isn't there going to be a third? There's going to be a cocktail uh, bar that is going to be in the lower level of the El Coro space. Awesome. This is your own little corner of Manhattan, your own little corner of the world. (laughs) So we're going to talk about fresh herbs today. And even just looking at the menu at Mel's, I saw herby influences on the menu we'll talk about pesto in a little bit we can talk about yeah if you're making pizza i feel like basil is probably pretty prominent for sure so we're talking about herbs today and i'm excited to hear if anybody has a favorite herb melissa favorite herb Uh, my favorite herb is savory what whoa okay i want to hear about that i love savory it's like maybe to a place that is annoying um, what does savory taste like? Savory How to do you me. Describe t- that. <laughs> savory is kind of like it, well, it's a hard herb, and it's kind of like a cross of like oregano and I, I feel like it's like a combination of all the hard herbs. 
Does it have a little tarragon to it? Yeah, Does it have like a, a little, little bit. Like anise, yeah. It almost tastes like, it always reminds me of what all the spices at a pizza shop taste like when you combine them all. Nice. What I do late at night when I'm yeah. <laughs> sprinkling everything on a slice that I want to max out. Yeah, I love love savory. That's an interesting choice. And savory is such a cool thing and something I don't think of that often. Like you It's say, not like available you, in the store. Yeah, and you say basil, I think tomato, like what a pairing. Or you say rosemary, I think chicken. I say savory, what do you think? I think of pork. I think of spring vegetables. I think of fall vegetables. Yeah, you love savory. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll stick it kind of in many little nooks and crannies that perhaps you wouldn't necessarily notice, but it's always like that and that like, you know, outside flavor that you're like, what is that? Did you think you picked that up, the love of savory at in Oceano or out of Danielle or at Del Posto or is it something? I think it was somewhere between Danielle and Del Posto. I feel like it was something that I got at the market and I was like, oh, what is this? I love it. I feel like savory is maybe the unsung hero of the herb world. Yeah, yeah I was not expecting you to say that no. at all. What's your favorite herb? I feel like it's an un- underappreciated herb, but for me, I think it, it's kind of nostalgic and I love it. I, I love dill. Okay. I don't know. For I me, think it's very New York. Yeah, I don't know. Like we had the salad. Or Scandinavian for that matter. The fennel salad that we had yeah. for lunch the other day. Yeah. For me, it was like, it made me so happy. Yeah. It was just like shaved fennel with a lot of citrus, a lot of acid, and a lot of fresh dill. Chicken soup, smoked salmon. I don't know. I, I love it. D- dill gets like a bad rap. It here. does. And I'm giving it like, you know, some props <laughs> right now. How do you guys feel about cilantro? Good. I love cilantro. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Some people don't like cilantro. Some herbs are like divisive, maybe. Like yeah. some people I don't know how, but they don't like cilantro. I think it's I like think a it's an enzyme. Yeah. Is it something? Yeah, that... it's an enzyme. It tastes like soap mm-hmm. to a lot yeah. of people. But what's your favorite herb, John? I was afraid you were going to ask me that because I was thinking while you guys were talking. I don't know. I think what I probably use most in my own cooking is I use a lot of rosemary, mm-hmm. but I don't want to say that. I'm going to say, can it? We're talking fresh herbs, right? Fresh. Not dried. I'm going to say rosemary, even though I don't like to admit that. But you know what? Also grows well in my backyard. Mm-hmm. I like to take piles of rosemary if I do any kind of like grilled meats and just cover them in it while it's rusting. I think rosemary can be overpowering sometimes. Like if you put too much on, it's like that's yeah. all you taste. Let's talk about basil a little bit. What do you think about basil? I mean, this is a pizza place. I'm sure you're using basil here. Yeah. I've noticed there's basil and then there's basil. And when I say the second basil, I'm usually talking about like Genovese basil, small leaves, sweeter, mintier. It's like a bit like eucalyptus almost yeah. happening. Yeah. We make a pesto that's like a dipping sauce. We have this section of the menu that's all these dipping sauces. It's like meant for your crusts and stuff. So one of them is basil. Um, obviously, we finish a few pies with basil. We have a basil and kale pesto that is on a pizza yeah, I, I use a lot of herbs in cooking. So like a lot of, you know, there's a dish on the menu that has a salad that is all tossed with um, shrimp and like a shellfish butter and garlic and then whole leaves of basil and mint and cilantro and scallions. I want to go back and say I don't have a favorite herb. Can I say that? Because I <laughs> You're love feeling them all. regret right yeah, now no, because for your even choice. Like, I love parsley. Is parsley considered an herb? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love parsley. Flat leaf parsley, please, right? Yeah, but okay. you know what? I've come to curly leaf parsley in the last six months. I don't know why. It's easier to chop. It is like easier to like, chop. And then like it's something, it's like nostalgic. It's like old. Yeah. You guys are young, but 
Do you remember like when restaurants used to garnish a plate with like a piece of curly parsley? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like every diner in New Jersey. They still do that? In the 80s. Yeah. yeah. Back when I was in my 20s and teens, the only parsley you could really find at a supermarket, unless you went to like Balducci's or some Italian specialty market, was curly parsley. Then all of a sudden it was Italian parsley. And then it became flat parsley. And then it's just now today it's parsley. How else are you using herbs here at Mel's? We make a lot of like gremoladas. I use a lot of herb oils. Um, I finish pizzas with a lot of herb oils. Um, do you make those oils or do yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How would you make an herb oil for people listening at home? They're now that gets people excited. We make a basil oil. We make an oregano oil. I like to take a, like a quart of picked herbs to like a pint of grapeseed oil, uh -huh. blend it in a Vita prep, and then heat it while stirring it in a saute pan, like something that has a, a big surface area. You cook out all the water and then strain it through a fine chinois or like a coffee filter over an ice bath. And to me, that's you're gonna get the nicest color and then also like the most like concentrated herby flavorful oil. And that sounds amazing. Yeah, and I wouldn't have like- I, Genius, I thought yeah. you were like, gonna tell me you take herbs and put them in olive oil and just let it sit for a week. <laughs> no, you know, I like I like colors and- Beautiful. Yeah, I don't like to cook them like previous to bringing it together with oil because I feel like uh, you miss a lot. You know, like blanching herbs and then like mixing them in a blender with olive oil yeah that like it works and sometimes it works well so you take but the mixture and put it in like a small pot raw herbs and grapeseed oil mm -hmm. blended finely in a in a you know blender and then heat them over uh a low flame and stir until it kind of stops bubbling until essentially like you cook the water out yeah yeah um and in that time like not only did you like you know macerate the oil and the herbs together but then also you brought them up heat wise together. Yeah. So you're getting like a double mm -hmm. punch of flavor. I like that. How, what's the shelf life once you have an oil like that, do you know? Um, I'm sure you use it in a day in the restaurant. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we make green oils every day for the most part. I love to be like, oh, we make this like once a week. And, and sometimes if we do make like a really big batch, we'll just freeze it because it helps like save color and flavor. Cause like as the, mixture um ages it kind of like dissipate in flavor and color and i also saw on the menu pesto yeah what are you doing what's your pesto what's what is that how is that used on the menu it's used in two different places but they're also two different pestos for no reason other than to navigate allergies easier one of them is a pesto that we have a lemon we just didn't put pine nuts in for that reason that goes on a pie it's a kale and basil pesto with ricotta and preserved lemon. Then we have a pesto that is like a little coarser um, and much more traditional, you know, Parmesan and um, pine nuts and garlic and yeah. good olive oil. If you get European pine nuts, first of all, they're very expensive. Pesto with pine nuts isn't the classic, you know, from Liguria and incredible. But then there's, you know, pesto that subs walnuts for the pine nuts. And then I've had people that substitute cashews for pine nuts. I've done almonds. And then I've done it without yeah. any nuts whatsoever. And I still love the pesto any which way. I don't know where this, so there was maybe, nothing maybe to Maybe basil is, is where your, your love of herbs I think actually maybe lands, that is not rosemary. More with the basil. <laughs> or parsley. Yeah, or parsley. <laughs> I go to a nice little organic market in my town. Where, do you, where, where are you getting 
great herbs as a chef in New York City? Uh, definitely the farmer's market, especially, you know, as the the spring and summer seasons roll in, things change. You know, mm-hmm. you start seeing like bush basil and all these little specialized herbs happening, which is really nice. Yeah. So farmer's market. Support your farmer's markets. Let's shift gears a little bit. So you grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. When did you start cooking? How did you get into this crazy career? As a teenager, I was a very picky eater as a child. And my mom always cooked, but like very, very simply. And vegetable, protein, a starch, and a salad every night. It was like very regimented. My mom worked in travel for a long time. And she had worked at Pan Am when I was a baby and as a kid. And she had this like collection of international Pan Am cookbooks. So I would kind of pilfer through them and find things and man I made some really horrible things and that just kind of became the habit and I would cook a few days a week for you know my sister and leave food for my mom I guess at some point I had a friend who said you cook all the time why don't you get a job in a restaurant Uh, she made me sit at her kitchen counter and pilfer through the yellow pages and I called every restaurant that was within like a reasonable distance and told them that I was had no experience I just wanted to like learn got told no by every single place except for one restaurant and I ended up kind of working there for like a year or two and I was just kind of like a fly on the wall peeled onion I did whatever you know they told me to do and I loved you know the restaurant energy and I liked that like everyone was from a different place and it was this collection of things and people that were all like very interesting and intriguing and high energy and and so I kind of caught that bug, I guess. That's very cool. You went to CIA? I right? did. I did at a high school. And then I got my first job in New York. And what was that first job? I did my internship at this restaurant called The Cub Room, which was sure. on the corner of Sullivan and Prince, where the Dutch is now. Yep. Who was the chef of The Cub Room back then? Henry Meir. Henry Meir, the New York legend. And you went from Cub Room to where? Northern California. I went to Sonoma. And I got a job doing catering with um, a woman who had a catering company called Elaine Bell. I did catering because I didn't want to go to the same place every day. Yep. That was kind of like the point of me leaving mm-hmm. New York, um, which was great. And it was super fun. And, you know, we built kitchens in the middle of fields and uh, wineries. We brought stoves <laughs> and yep. tanks of gas. And, and every day was a different kind of like choose your own adventure. And it was very, very fun. And at that age, it really taught me how to adjust. And I got pretty comfortable with my skill set. So then at some point, although I loved California, it was very far away from everything that I knew and decided to come back to New York. And then I was like, okay, I can, I feel like it's time for me to be a little more serious about what I want to do and how I want to do it. So I just kind of started working in fine dining and and was that Oceana? Yeah. Was that Rick Moonen or Neil Gallagher? Neil Gallagher. There weren't a lot of women in the kitchen back then, right? I no. Mean, back in those days, not that we're talking about the 1970s, but there were not a lot of women from my recollection of walking in the kitchens as a purveyor and selling and talking to you know chefs and cooks. And then the, the folks that you're describing, you know, have nothing but love for Daniel Balud and have nothing about fun things to say about Neil Gallagher. These are not easy people to work for very demanding yeah. kitchens and back in a time when you know i'm not saying that i saw you know pans of hot oil flying across the room but it was a very tough situation in a lot of those kitchens what was it like being 
a woman in there? Did you feel that you there was a challenge? Honestly, there were, I, I, I think I worked with the most women at Oceana than I have until right now. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, there was like a big pocket of us and, and they were all very hardworking and lovely. You know, it was a hard kitchen. It was a high, it was a pretty high turnover rate. So like to, you know, work with someone for a year in that space was pretty, it said something about like that person's character and their resilience and, and willingness and all those things. Um, so I, I did work with like a, a pretty decent number of women at Oceana, but that was really the only time I think that I experienced that in my like line cook. That shifted. That was only for like a certain pocket of time. And, and then I went to Danielle and, it, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, it was very hard to walk into any fine dining restaurant and say, and I see myself there. Yeah. You know, because you just didn't. You Do you know, feel everything. like you had to work harder in a way or to prove yourself in a different way? I didn't want to feel that way. And I didn't want like being a woman to be something that was going to inhibit myself. So I made some pretty like strict rules with myself at a pretty early stage. And I was just like, I'm, you know, just decided that like this wasn't going to be the thing that inhibited me. And I was going to check my sex at the door and just look for who I thought was the strongest cook in the kitchen and figure out how do I get to that space and how do I like challenge myself to work to having that skill set and being that role model and being like the person that people look to in the kitchen. And so, you know, I think it's like anything else. You can either make it something that brings you down or you can make it something that you work towards and lifts you up. So I chose the work towards and yeah. Do you have a mentor? Uh, I, yeah, I have a few. You know, I would definitely say that Jean-Francois was a big mentor for me. And Danielle. So Jean-Francois Bruel from yeah. Danielle's Kitchen, yeah. And, you know, Danielle as well for mm-hmm. many years now. But yeah. Well, Thanks. Melissa Rodriguez, I don't know. It's been a long, it's been too long. But it's so great to see you. Your space is stunning. I am so excited that we're having dinner at Mel's tonight. We're going to have pizza and salads. And when Al Coro opens in a month, Andrea, will you take me out to dinner? I would love to. Okay. I just want to make sure you're taking me. Yes. Come to Mel's 10th Avenue and 16th Street. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. This episode is sponsored by KLP Specialties, importers of the finest fresh herbs in America. John, I'm really excited. We're talking with Kathy Powell and John McPherson. They're the president and director of operations for KLP Specialties, which is a longtime partner of actually one of our sister companies, uh, Sid Wainer and Sons. And they're growing these amazing herbs. Can you tell tell us a little bit about the history of your company and how you came to be? Back in the early 90s, John and I met in New York City. John was a chef and I had a specialty produce company. And then after 10 years in the city, we decided to move down to uh, Washington, D.C. And that's when I opened up KLP and John stayed as a chef. After two back surgeries, John gave up on the, <laughs> on the cooking, came and worked with me at KLP. And then we had KLP there for 10 years. Just moved back to Boston because that's where I'm originally from. We've been doing KLP here for five. Are you guys actually growing the herbs or do you work with different farms around the world? 
How does it work? Well, we we partner with farms specifically in Colombia. And we do have our own farm as well. Yes. In Colombia. About a 12 acre farm that, that would be about five, a little under five hectares. It's in the Antioquia, pretty mountainous region uh, in between Bogota and Medellin in, in, in Colombia. There are several other herb farms uh, that we have partnerships with in and around that area. Um, and also in the Rio Negro Valley. Lots of sun, hot days, and tepid nights. And that's ex exactly what you want for herbs. So which herbs are you guys working with from Colombia into the United States? All of the culinary herbs, everything from basil, chives, chervil, rosemary, oregano, tarragon. Love anything it. you find in the kitchen, we, we, uh, we try to supply for Sid Weiner. So we are importers of record for all of our shipments. Um, we have a customs broker. Um, the herbs fly direct into the United States. They clear with CBP Ag, uh, which is the agricultural division of uh, Customs Border Protection. It's in a bonded area and then it clears customs. It is cross-docked with our truck. We do this in Miami. And then they travel refrigerated up to our facility south of Boston. Yeah, I want to talk specifically about a couple of different types of herbs. The first one you mentioned a second ago is chervil. I love chervil. Andrea, you work with chervil ever? I love it. You just don't really see it it's a lot, hard right? hard to find. Why is chervil so hard to find in the United States? And how also, before we even go there, how do you describe chervil to people who have never worked with it? It's similar to anise or fennel. It's got a liquor, it's got a very, very delicate licorice accent to it. And it pairs very well with uh, fresh seafood. Hard to find in the US though, right? Hard to grow. Hard it's really grow. hard to grow. So that's the reason. Why it's is it very so hard finicky. to grow? It's, it's very susceptible to heat. It's very fine. Super delicate. Yeah, super delicate. Okay, that answers my question. Yeah. John and Kathy, you guys are selling a lot of dill. We do. Especially this time of year. But it's a year it's a year round for us. John and Kathy, do you count parsley as an herb? That's, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I love parsley for a lot of things, for its versatility and brightening up a lot of dif dishes. I'm a big rosemary guy, too. I love it with any kind of protein generally. I mean, I love basil. Kathy and John, is, is basil kind of the number one, would you say? Yes, absolutely. Basil, then mint. Then mint. Do you do all different types of basil? We, we have. We've, we've gotten lemon basil, opal basil, variegated Thai basil. Do you find that herbs are something like they they're kind of trends that run in the world of herbs because andrew was just mentioning dill like she felt like dill was something that kind of had a peak of popularity in the 80s i don't know if i agree with that andrea but okay are things do they come in vogue is there like a hot herb of 2022 i wouldn't necessarily say there's a hot herb i know where you're going with this i think it's more of a seasonality thing with with herbs not so much like you know shaped brussels sprouts was the big thing eight years ago, yeah. five or eight years ago, whatever it was, you know, the hardier herbs are going to be used more around the holidays. We don't sell much sage this time of year. Right. So summer months, sage is not a popular item. Same with but, bay leaves. But moving because... into fall and winter, as you get those hardier dishes, as you get those, you know, more in intense flavored herbaceous dishes, 
that's when those type of items would be used. Okay, that makes sense to me. Chives in springtime. Chives are really heavy pretty much year-round. Yeah, I think there's specific dishes, for me at least, and I don't know if John and Kathy, you feel the same way. Like when I think of like roast chicken, thyme, oregano, rosemary, even parsley, go hand-in-hand. Same thing like lamb and rosemary. Right. You're not really cooking much fish with the rosemary. Right. Yes, it's definitely more hearty then, you know, maybe for fish, you're using chives or cilantro, some of the, the lighter herbs that, you know, we were talking about. Right. And what kind of makes a high quality herb? I mean, what should people be looking for? You want to make sure it's green, really green, that you don't see any browning, especially on the tips, because it would be old. If it's looking, you know, like dried out, you want it, you know, somewhat alive not wilted. Okay. You know, it's interesting too, uh, as part of this discussion is fresh herbs in the United States in cooking. Yes, parsley has been around, but even if we talk about parsley, I feel like, uh, all right, I'm dating myself right now, but in the seventies and eighties, even into the nineties, most of the time, if you found parsley on a plate, or even in retail, it was the curly variety, which was used a lot as a garnish. I feel like even in cooking, people, most home consumers were relegated to curly parsley. Italian flat parsley or flat parsley as it's you know now known is widely available in supermarkets. I don't feel that that's something that you really found that easily back not that long ago. Fresh herbs really didn't come alive till the probably the 90s. It's interesting because if you know most you know recipes that people were making, not that long ago, we're all relegated to dry herbs and spices and completely different flavor oh, yeah. profile and, and world. Even the comparison between the curly parsley and the uh, the Italian flat leaf, the flavor profile is not even the same ballpark. Curly parsley has no flavor. Yeah, and I mean, herbs have been around since kind of the beginning of time. They were used, there's obviously a lot of medicinal purposes for herbs, you know, oil of oregano, lavender is supposed to be calming. And then it does seem like there was this kind of dry herb trend, you know, that came about. And now I feel like we're back to the fresh herb uses, you know, especially in culinary um, in the kitchens. You know, where do you think that came from? Why do you think that all of a sudden herbs are more popular again? I think it was the cooking shows. The retailers really weren't carrying it until the, the cooking shows started. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. I think the restaurants, the trend, you know, great European chefs as cuisine even became maybe lighter and more herb focused. I would definitely give credit in the United States to somebody like John George von, von Gerichten and Daniel Balud and some of these other pioneers of a lighter French high-end cuisine that were really using a lot of herbs in their cooking. Thomas Keller is another example. So you feel like your business as the Food Network became more popular and as cooking shows and, and then I, I really obviously Gourmet Magazine and food and media exploded. That's when your business also did? Yeah, just having all of the fresh herbs exposed, you know, sure. All the, all the chefs used it. I, I never sold a spice. Let's talk about the best way for home consumers and even chefs to store their herbs. Because I know sometimes, Andrew, I don't know if this happens to you. I buy basil. Yep. It comes wrapped in a little bit of plastic, looks beautiful. It's not refrigerated at the store. I don't put it in my refrigerator. But sometimes I find that like a day later, the product has turned black. How do we avoid that? What's the best thing for handling herbs at home? And we'll talk about all the different types, but basil especially. Right. Basil should be stored about 50 degree temperature. Don't want to keep it in the plastic. Okay, good to know. Like a plastic bag where it's not going to be able to breathe because it's 
actually still living, if you will. Got it. Even though it's cut, <laughs> yep. I would put it in water. Oh, like a and flower. Put it on your, you know, windowsill. Great to know. So yeah. let it breathe about fifty degrees in water. What about some of the other herbs? What's all the, best the other way herbs? To keep them, you know, at their most vibrant. Stored in your refrigerator in for around thirty-six degrees. Yep. A wet paper towel. Okay, good to know. Yeah, sometimes and I'll put in them a crisper. in. In the crisper. Got it. For thyme, for rosemary, for tarragon, parsley. Oregano. Keep those. Yep. So for those fresh herbs, wet paper towel. Just dampen. very lightly wet. Yeah. So dampen paper towel, wrap them up, put them in the fridge, and keep them in the crisper. How many days can you expect to, you know, if you buy something that's really fresh, can you expect to get out of that shelf life-wise? If it was really fresh, you could probably get six days. Okay, great. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today and, you know, being such a great partner of Chef's Warehouse. If you want to purchase uh, your herbs from KLP Specialties, you can find them at chefswarehouse.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you very so nice much. It was great to join you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ingredient Insiders. Follow us on Instagram at Ingredient Insiders. You can find the products discussed in today's episode on chefswarehouse.com. <laughs>